It's time for Mac Break Weekly. Uh, Adam Angst from Tidbits is here. He's probably the longest running Mac journalist, Apple journalist uh, anywhere. Of course, the great Andy Anako as well. Alex Lindsay's on assignment. There's no news this week, so I don't know how we're going to get an hour and a half show out of this, but I think we'll find a way. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of fun. Mac Break Weekly is next. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for MacBreak Weekly is provided by Cashfly at C A C H E F L Y dot com. This is MacBreak Weekly, episode 241, recorded April 5th, 2011. It's all about the back end. MacBreak Weekly is brought to you by GoToMeeting, the easiest, most reliable online meeting service. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com, promo code MacBreak. And by Carbonite, backing up your files on your PC or Mac is safe and easy with Carbonite. For a free trial plus two free months with purchase, go to Carbonite.com, offer code MacBreak. And by Audible.com. To download the free audiobook of your choice, go to audible.com slash MacBreak. It's time for MacBreak Weekly, the show that covers the latest from Cupertino, California. In fact, I don't know if it's even safe to say that anymore. Apple's all over the place. <laughs> Cupertino, where's that? That was That's where the mothership landed, with the, bearing the alien Steve Jobs some 40 years ago. And look what's happened ever since. Joining us right now from Tidbits. The great Adam Angst has been covering Hello, this Leo. story long. Hello, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> He's been covering it since the mothership landed. You celebrated your 20th anniversary, didn't you, for tidbits? 20, 21st will be coming up in a week or so. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Yep. Going to be able to drink and drive finally. Yay. <laughs> It's a long time to do anything. Vote, you know, serve in the armed forces, all sorts of things. Let alone a weekly newsletter. Yeah, yeah. The best. But as I was saying, it's just amazing. You know, back you look back mm, 10 years or so, and Apple would do about as much in a year as they do sometimes in one announcement now. Yeah. You know, it's just nonstop these days. Well, there's a big story about Skype 4 we're going to talk, or Skype 5 we're going to talk about in just a second. But first, let's welcome Andy Anatko, who uh, is in his trophy room. I think that's pretty exciting. Not many people realize... <laughs> Yes, I was known as quite the gridiron snapdragon great back in the day. <laughs> now I just use this office to inspire the youth of my community to dream big, go big, and be big. <laughs> I think we have actually the University of Colorado to thank for uh, the oh, football. Well, if people didn't believe that, I'd say, well, you can buy a lot of good trophies on eBay and manufacture your own. <laughs> yes, I'm, at the, I'm speaking at the Commerce on World Affairs, the University of Colorado. The athletic department was nice enough to offer me use of a corner of their office and their awesome gigabit Ethernet. So uh, this, this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work better than the, uh, than the Wi-Fi hotspot that was going to be my fallback <laughs> position. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm guessing, yeah. Thank goodness. We're at altitude and 3G requires oxygen just as much as anything else does so this that would have been fun so once again my, my grateful grateful thanks to the fine fine folks here at the athletic department yes indeed actually um one of the things we were going to talk about you started a little bit uh, adam is that it is a little bit i should warn people a little bit of a slow week uh, in apple news this week I, I don't know if we're in between announcements i guess we are wwdc is in june yeah 
Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and honestly, if they didn't slow down a little bit, I think those of us in the, in the media would just fall apart. I mean, it's, <laughs> otherwise, it's nonstop for Collapse a while. Collapse from exhaustion, time. yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the stories, uh, the stories we're going to cover today are actually uh, kind of the silly season stories you usually hear in newspapers in August. <laughs> April is a silly season for uh, for Apple fans. Where you'll be hearing all about the water skiing squirrel today on MacBreak Weekly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> actually, you know, it is funny because I'm looking at MacWorld magazine desperately, desperately trying to find a story, and the uh, the top story right now at MacWorld.com. Light painting with a MacBook Pro and the the cadaver of a executed murderer. So that's something you know we all want to do with our Macs. And you uh, know, I think there's going to be an iLife app for that coming up. So yeah, iLife, the cadaver project. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway, so that's I guess they're having the same uh, same issue. Another issue, and it, actually you cover this uh, this week in tidbits. This is uh, one of your top stories. Skype. You even asked us when you when we said we want to Skype you. You said Skype five or Skype two point eight, and I said is two point eight the latest? I guess it is, Adam. It's yeah. It was it, it two point eight was out for a long time actually, and then not you know what I don't know, a month ago or so Skype came out with Skype five. And it was one of those things where a few of us on the, on the Tibbet staff upgraded and sort of there were these cries of horror and, and, and trying to figure out, you know, how to use the program and, and just massive numbers of features that had, dis had disappeared. Like, for instance, indication of who was talking in a, in a conference call, which, you know, they brought back in Skype 5.1. But even still, the, the interface to Skype 5 is just it's just it's just nasty, and um, going go from a multiple window interface to a single window interface, and trying to have all sorts of interface elements do double duty. So sidebars yeah. sometimes things in sidebars are lists, sometimes they're buttons. Who knows? It, it's pretty horrible. It's not the best user interface I've ever seen. I have to say that. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's. It's one of those deep, rich, and fulfilling awful user interfaces because <laughs> it's, it, we're not just talking about one bad idea. We're talking about the idea of you get to the section of the project planning whiteboard of that meeting where they say, and now uh, and we're going to have a button where if people want to start a video call. This is a picture of a camera. Yeah, but there must be a way that we can screw up that button. <laughs> I know. Let's make sure it kind of almost looks like a camera, but really doesn't. <laughs> it's, uh, I can't even, I'm trying, look, I, I took a bullet for you guys. I took a hit for you guys. I installed it on this computer, and I don't even know what I'm, I can't even figure out what I'm looking at. Uh, you have to be in a call to actually get the video button to show up. And it only shows up when you mouse over the main pane. Um, so there's a whole lot of contextual controls so, so that you, know, you can't see them if you're just sitting there looking at it or you're using a different program. Look at this. Okay, I am in Skype. I go to the window menu. I say, give me the Skype window. And Skype goes away. <laughs> That's not... I don't yeah. understand. What's going on? This is this is very confusing. Let's see the dial pad. Oh, it's floating. Okay, that's nice. In fact, that's one issue, which is if you want to monitor your contacts, they float. Not only do they float over Skype, they float over everything. They live on top of your UI, <laughs> which is crazy. And there's no... doesn't seem... Now, it seems like they should go in the sidebar here, but they don't. What goes in the sidebar is just random crap, as far as I can tell. <laughs> this is very confusing. Oh, show them cover. Show them cover. How do you do the cover flow of contacts? So, oh yeah, yeah, there it is. Over, oh, here it is. is yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. See, this is what see, you really want. Helpful? This is. I mean, and how do you even go through it? I can't. 
The arrow it's, doesn't. It, oh, yeah. there. Oh, look at that. <laughs> there we go. It's just that's so just how I want to view my contacts. This is like this is like um, user interface graffiti. Wait a minute, what does this button do? Oh, that pops up the window you can never get rid of. Uh, holy camoly! By by the way, how do you make a call? I don't know. Oh, here is this the button you were talking about? This this video it, button? It, well, it's sort of like that. It's a different. Oh, it's oh a, sorry, John. I'm calling you. I don't want to call him. That's, and that was the button on the upper right there. Yeah. Now, oh, and then it moves. Oh, Nintley. <laughs> let's call. Uh, let's call the uh, Echo One Two Three lady, the Skype lady. Have they changed her? Please don't change her. She's my only girlfriend. All right. Here, let's try. Let's try calling her. Hello. So now the button is there. Okay. Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Welcome to Skype testing picture. service. I'd like After to know what she looks. Like. Now, what is this button? This this is a confusing button. It looks like it looks like an alien uh, race uh, somehow has invaded my Skype. Oh, add people. So I can add people to the conversation. Okay. Uh, I think they might have been. I think those might be eBay or uh, eWorld refugees. They look like it, don't they? <laughs> oh, now I'm talking to myself. Let's see. Oh, what do these buttons do? So oh, that's nice. Look at that. Okay. And then that one gives that one gives you a chat, which is a very actually quite useful, but it will get a little hard to find. Oh, okay. Then you have to you send someone Skype. a URL. Lady, what are you doing? Something is wrong with your audio recording settings. After the call, let's see if she talks back. I wish I could see her. Thank you for using the Skype. They should really put a bot under that. They really should. They should be Eliza. They should. Not talking to you. I can tell you that right now. How do you feel when I gray out your camera button, even though your camera is working properly? Yeah, yeah, so and that was another thing that happened to you, Andy, this morning. Uh, in fact, it's happened yeah. to uh, everybody we've used with the new Skype. Happened during Twitter with Denise Howell. If you've got any other application that could even conceivably want to use the camera, it's going to not. It's going to complain. Yeah, and it's frustrating because, and I don't, I don't even mean this as a joke. The you're you're hobbled as a diagnostician when you try to expect Skype to do things that make sense. Because one of the first things I did was think, okay, well, is the camera being used by another application? Right. Well, no, because the, the LED is not on. Well, let's just go to other applications, see, let's launch FaceTime. Yep, that can find the camera. Great, quit that one. Let's use this. Let's go to QuickTime. Yes, that can find the camera. Quit that one. And it wasn't until I decided, well, what the heck, I'm going to quit iMovie, even though it really shouldn't be the cause of the problem. And Skype said, hey, look, you got a camera. Oh, Interesting. Dear. Yeah, because iMovie does can access the camera, but it isn't accessing it by default. Exactly. If the, if the Mr. Greenlight is not on, the camera is, is available to other applications. I should really tell Skype that. Yeah, it's <laughs> kind of weird. Kind of weird. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not angry with you, Skype. I guess I'm just disappointed. Perhaps <laughs> we put too much responsibility in your hands to before you were ready for it. it is. I blame myself. Yes, Skype. it's our fault. So the question then uh, is, uh, how how the hell did this happen? Uh, we've seen this before. Mac Mac users can be a little uh, finicky. I was I was joking because because in the I was in the uh, I was in the office uh, when we were talking about Adam using uh, the earlier version of two point eight. I said, oh, I bet he uses Word Perfect three point five as well. <laughs> oh, it was the best, wasn't it? I you mean, think just... I'm still using Nicest Writer? Come on, no, not Nicest Writer Classic anyway. <laughs> I gave up our classic long ago. So, <laughs> at least, least January. Actually, I would if if WordPerfect 3.5 still worked, I would use it. It was the only good WordPress. It was right right now. That's the one that people right want now. To, so. 
So it's Mac well, we people did... are, no, are notoriously prickly about these kinds of things. Yeah, well, we did a, we did the April Fool's. It was actually the follow-on April Fool's joke of Word 5.1 coming back to the iPad. And we, we, <laughs> in 2003, we'd done the, the April Fool's joke of Word 5.1 coming to Mac OS 10. And so this was, you know, the, the continuation of the joke. And, man, people still want Word 5.1a pretty badly. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess we've bitched enough about uh, Skype. I guess, do you think, has Skype ever backed down and changed it? I think they have changed a UI back. I think they have done that. They have admitted in a blog post that they are aware there are, are concerns about the interface, and they promise that they're working to update them in the near future. That's about all that they have said. Yeah. They're also having this contest to do a new interface for the the chat interface. So the chat, you know, if you have a bunch of chats, you know how you have smileys going back and forth right. and avatars and stuff. But that's only a very small part of the complaints. I mean, I actually, I have no complaints at all about that. I don't do that. Um, the problem is just everything else. Right. Well, it's. Just, I mean, it really is terrible. I, I, now that I played with it for a little bit, it's just it's just unusable and. It's it takes over your screen. This is you can only get it so small. Um, yeah. Yes, it's not intuitive. Um, I've got yeah, cover. Yeah, that screen so, you can't even get it small enough to see the buttons at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. My screen is so so constrained because we're showing it on TV that I I can't I can't get the bottom part. <laughs> I know. And even if and if I zoom it, I still it's still I can kind of but. <sighs> yeah, and it's not like, it's not like the changes that Apple made to iMovie where. They made huge sweeping changes that were so stylistically different from what came before that it threw everybody out in the street and had to relearn yeah. iMovie all over again. But at least you could see that they felt as though they had to bite the bullet and make a sweeping change that was necessary to move the product forward. With this, I don't see anything other than some new guy came in, decided that he didn't like the old one, he wanted to make the new one, and didn't really think it through. And about, I mean, it's not really a functional piece of software. Yeah. Despite yeah. the fact that I'm... It, Okay, I'm, make, I'm making it do something functional right now, but my point still stands. I'm still really Well, mad. and I think we should tell us. Go ahead, Adam. The, there's other things like, you know, what if you want to have multiple windows open because you're doing multiple yeah. chats? You know, this is, people do that. You know, we're not doing it right now, but, and then there's other things like the video for, for uh, Mac Break Weekly doesn't do this, but if you're doing a multi-person video chat, it shows you two avatars up top and then others down below in a list, and whoever is speaking shows up in one of the top two spots and kind of moves around. So the avatars are jumping on you all the time. Yeah. Gee, if only <laughs> Apple would make a way that you could video call other people <laughs> on a Macintosh. Some people are asking quite rightly, well, why doesn't Mac Break Weekly use FaceTime? Um, uh, um, mm. Well, you know what? We, we, you know, if, if old man Laporte ever came down to the office every once in a while from a golf course, <laughs> you know, I'm too busy perfecting my putting to bother <laughs> too, with that. Too busy counting his money or hiring uh, people to cut his money for. Yes. Well, we use, you know, we built this Skype source, but it's running Windows XP, so we couldn't. Use, we'd have to design a new Skype source with the. Uh, with uh, Mac Minis, we actually toyed with the idea of using Mac Minis. Maybe we should have, and maybe we will in the next generation. Uh, and then we could have uh, used FaceTime on these. Well, the other problem I have with FaceTime is, um, I guess if you do it portrait mode, it fills the screen. It's just, a, it's a, I don't know. And I don't know. I guess we could use, I see no reason why we couldn't use FaceTime. Skype and then Andy could have, been, could have been coming to us handheld, walking around Boulder. Well, we did do that. We have done that. In fact, Andy, <laughs> yep. uh, at the last uh, iPad uh, announcement, or maybe it was a MacBook announcement, was, was giving us uh, a video from the, from the, uh, the demo room.
I was doing, yep, yeah, exactly. I had the, the suction cup mounted uh, iPhone that I was shooting another iPhone with, uh, thus basically turning us into a Klein warp. Uh, that almost <laughs> almost killed all reality and time. So, but it was worth it because we got to get some good footage. Well, I guess basically the bottom line is if you're using Skype 2.8, the last good version of Skype, don't upgrade. You don't have to. There's no reason to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and you'll be glad. And maybe Skype will be fixed at some point for uh, Mac <laughs> users. Let's take a break. When we come back, I do want to talk about. You mentioned the iPhone, Andy, uh, and maybe uh, maybe uh, you guys have some sources that'll let us know. Uh, a, uh, how the Verizon iPhone's doing. B, uh, we're starting to see some reports that the Verizon iPhone might actually be better than the iPhone 4 on AT&T. And C, wither iPhone 5. All of that. Ooh. Coming up in just a second. Before we do that, though, I'd like to mention a, a good company that uh, we've known for a long time, we've worked with for a long time, called Carbonite.com. They are doing... God's work, uh, protecting uh, uh, your data against the Satan that is data destruction. I don't mean to be sacrilegious. I just mean this thing. You'll 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 pray you had it if you don't, and the worst happens because it always does. You always it you know you're gonna a hard drive's gonna crash. You're gonna lose your laptop. There's gonna be something bad happen in your at your home, and and you're gonna wish you had backups of all that precious stuff on your computer. Viruses. Um, Windows or Mac, we don't have to worry so much about viruses. Our, our brethren on the other side of the aisle do. Uh, yeah, on the groom's side. And that's why I recommend Carbonite for PC or Mac. It is the best way to back up your data. First of all, it's automatic, so you don't have to remember it. Any good backup solution should just happen without your doing anything. Files are encrypted during transit, so even, you know, uses your online access. So even if you're at an open access point, like where Andy is, or you're at a coffee shop or at a university, it's 128-bit SSL, so it's completely safe. You can add further encryption if you want, triple desk or blowfish, so you're really secure and private. Um, that's so easy to do, and the key is you can get your data anytime, even before disaster strikes. It's cloud storage, so you just log on to your Carbonite account on Windows, on Mac, on the iPhone app, even on Android or BlackBerry, and there's your data. You can get it anywhere, anytime. And the best part is the price, $55 a year for all the data on your internal drive. All the, so if you have a laptop, the entire laptop drive backed up for 55 bucks a year and kept back up and restored with just a click of a mouse. Try it free right now for two weeks. Carbonite.com. Use the offer code MACBREAK. Please do, if you, if you don't mind, use that offer code. That way we get credit for, uh, for uh, bringing you to the holy gates. Uh, offer code MacBreak at Carbonite.com. If you decide to buy, use MacBreak one more time. You'll get uh, 14 months for the price of two, two months free. Carbonite.com. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. So a study, interesting study, I don't know, it's, I guess, a survey. There's no way you could really study this, of the iPhone 4, says that fewer calls are dropped on the Verizon version of the iPhone 4 than on the AT&T version. This is notoriously difficult to measure. The carriers know. I think the carriers know, but I don't know how we find out. 
Well, it, it always depends not on uh, it, the only thing that's, that's important is how what kind of experience that you personally have. Right. And though it would take two or three months for us to collect enough information to say that, yes, you are more likely to have uh, faster, uh, faster data speeds on this phone instead of this other phone. Yes, you are more likely to complete your call on this phone instead of the other. But that doesn't matter if you're in a, a part of the country or that uh, AT&T or Verizon doesn't Well, that's the care problem. About. It's where you I mean, are. I have, that yeah. makes all the yeah. difference. I mean, I've yeah. got, to, I've got to, this week I'm using... Uh, in addition to my regular iPhone, I've also got uh, the Verizon's really cool Android phone, the, the Thunderbolt, the new 4G model. Uh, and whereas I'm really finding, or at least the places where I'm staying, I'm finding that the AT&T phone on 3G is way, way, way more reliable uh, than the Verizon 4G, which is showing me four, it's showing me two bars of, co of co connectivity consistently, but it absolutely no connection to the internet this is showing me two or three bars of 3g that works perfectly fine and there's no way to switch it down so in this just just, just as an example of specifically i'm glad that you i'm glad that i'm seeing this chart that says that i made the right choice by buying <laughs> brand x i'm very proud i should i should put i should make that that chart my lock screen so that i can observe it while i'm unable to connect calls on this supposedly superior phone this is a, a survey <laughs> from a company called change wave i'm looking at uh the Cult of Mac article uh, about it, that, and they have this graph. It does show that uh, while satisfaction levels are identical uh, between AT&T <laughs> iPhone users and Verizon iPhone users, twice as many AT&T owners report dropped calls. 4.8% dropped iPhone 4 calls on AT&T versus 1.8% on Verizon. But so this is what I think is interesting, is, is that... Um, Despite the you know the the the, incre the larger number of drop calls, the satisfaction numbers in the chart really are pretty much right. identical. It's a percent here and there, and so I think the other question is how much do people really care about about making the calls? I mean, we, there was something AT and T had uh -huh, this thing where point. you could you, you could get a thousand free minutes, and people were were saying, yeah, yeah but yeah. I've got so many rollover minutes anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's using Skype now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not true. How, how, um, how, uh, how good is, uh, is the iPhone 4? I mean, the market share seems to be going down compared to Android. People are turning to the Android phone, and the phone's like that Thunderbolt you hold in your hand there. Mm -hmm. Is the iPhone 4 starting to look a little dated compared to uh, Android phones, or is it advertising? Why are people buying Android? Uh, I think it's just because there are more options available. Uh, and I don't think that Android has developed to a point where you can actually call it one phone. Uh, when you buy an iPhone, there really is just one model that runs all the same software. With Android, every different model has its own little quirks. Every little model has its UI enhancements and downgrades to it. Uh, and the fact that I have this uh, Thunderbolt with this really cool, uh, much larger screen uh, that works great in some applications, but in other applications, it's not optimized at all, uh, I don't think it's any mystery that you can say that with all these manufacturers making all these different phones, that no matter what kind of specific kind of Android phone you want, you can find exactly the one you want at the price you want for the carrier you want. But I think that really we're talking about one iPhone versus, let's right. say, eight or nine different Android phones. Reminds yeah. me a lot of the early days of the Mac, where there was one Mac, one manufacturer, and dozens of PC manufacturers running Windows. 
Well, the thing that's interesting in this case, though, is you look at the App Store, and you know the App Store, Apple's App Store, is going gangbusters. You know, billions of apps purchased and downloaded, and you know, huge sales for at least a small number of developers, things like that. Whereas you look over on the Android side, and the Android marketplace, you know, it's there. You know, you can get apps there, but there's not nearly as many apps. Oh, I don't there's know about that. There's hundreds better. of thousands. I mean, how many apps do you need? There's hundreds of thousands. <laughs> But the, but the but the point is is that if if Android is you know so much more of the of the market you would expect it to be, have a larger application. Well, um, as far it's as catching Android, up. And, it's behind and a larger one from a business. Apple side. started in two thousand seven to collect developers. Android really only really started to take off a couple of years ago. Now here's a couple of data but, points. Well, but uh, take a look the take a look at the curves between the two though. Uh, as soon as the, <clears> Apple did, Apple released such a comprehensive set of development tools and such an easy way to get to customers that within two or three months there were I think more significant apps for iOS than there were than there are available for Android today. I just don't think that Google has successfully inspired and motivated developers to go to Android first. I, it's gonna it's gonna happen, but I think that that's a real limitation of Google for some now. I mean, 150,000 apps isn't enough. I'm saying 150,000 terrible apps and 12 really good oh, ones. Come on. Enough. I, saying, I have saying, to say, almost all the time, there are very few situations. Instagram is the only one that leaps to mind where there, a company doesn't, there's Evernote for both sides. There's, you know, I mean, almost every no. app you, you've, got, you've got on both, both platforms. Those are, those, are, those, are, those are really good points. When you, have an app, when you have a service or an application that's being supported by a huge company with a much, much larger strategy, like uh, Amazon will always make a really good Kindle app for every yeah, Android cloud, device. And every cloud, cloud Play right now is Android only. However, then you check out, uh, for instance, Dropbox. The difference between the version they built for iOS and the version they built for Android is like night and day. Ah. And then when you go into something like, uh, I've, got, uh, I've got a really cool uh, like dashboard speedometer app. Uh, that I use uh, a smart H HUD, which I still love. Yeah, I love that uh, and too. And I keep yeah. I keep looking for something that's similar on Android. Right. And if I can find one with all the features, it's really done in sort of an IBM PC XT CGA screen like interface, where it's clearly being designed by some guy who knows how to draw a circle in MS Paint, but they don't know how to make something look really, really good or really function very, very well. So I'm not saying I'm not saying that there aren't great apps for Android. I'm just saying that they're thinner on the ground, and you can't really count on finding exactly the sort of app that you want. Well, you do raise one issue, which is it's very difficult to find apps for Android. Yeah, uh, and that's why Android. Uh, that's why Amazon is really helping out Google here. Uh, I, I do. Uh, there's a my, my review of the of, of the Thunderbolt <laughs> is sort of taking off to be something bigger on. Uh, bigger than just a review of the phone. It's actually, I really do think that Android has materially changed as an option now that uh, Amazon is offering both a solution to the problem of getting media on the device in a very, very attractive and easy way. And they've also solved the App Store problem, which now uh, this, this phone is so much more palatable to so many more people. Uh, I, it's, it's an interesting development, I think. So a couple of data points here that are kind of interesting. Major League Baseball reports that uh, even though there may be more Android handsets, they actually didn't talk about their sales numbers, but I presume that they impl they're implying here that they sell more copies of MLB uh, at bat 2011 on Android than iPhone. They say that the in-app purchases are much, are significantly higher on the iPhone side. And that's, but, but that's true from the Mac from day one, is that Apple, Apple owners and iPhone owners, I think too, spend more money. <laughs> so there's there's one reason developers may not want to look at raw numbers of handsets. Um, now, according to the IDC, I love this. 
Forget it. It's a Windows smartphone, baby. <laughs> it's almost hard to say. It is hard to say that without laughing. Uh, IDC said that actually the next big thing next year, Windows Phone 7. Sorry. It is. It's hard not to laugh control. at that. I know. Oh, well. Uh, we're trying to keep a straight face. I, I can't understand where they're coming from on that one. I think it's adorable that some people like to write things and post them on the internet. They're, they're, the best we can figure out is their calculations were since Nokia sells so many phones and is apparently embracing Windows Phone 7, they just took they took the number of smartphone sales from Nokia and they just slid them over to the Windows Phone 7 column for next year and said, there, it's done, they're going to win. Yeah, It's primitive, but yeah, effective. To, to, be, to, to be fair, I, uh, if, if there's one competitor... To uh, if there's one new upstart, I do think that Windows smartphone, the new Windows operating system, has a lot of potential. I liked it a lot. I'm really interested in seeing what happens next year when they refine it a little bit, uh, because they're, uh, not everybody is really into a, a mode of using their phone where they're going to acquire 100 apps and spend all their time, you know, word processing on their phone uh, as a as a doohickey-based. Uh, add-on system. I think it's a really nice operating system. It's not here yet, but I don't think I'll... I'm glad that I'll be out of contract on this by the time I buy a new Windows Mobile Smartphone 7, Windows 7 smartphone, but... Andy, I am watching you slowly move over a little bit more comfortable with Android as you use that, and and well, you, no, 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 it's not. It's it really. It, it's not that. It's not that I've changed. I really think it's that Android is. Become, <laughs> yeah, it's not me. Uh, I mean, no, no, I'm being. I, all the complaints it's that I've you. always had about Android are still true. I still, I still think that the iPhone is. If, if someone just, I guess, asked me for an opinion and says you have to say you you can't explain it. You don't get you don't get to ask me any questions. You have to recommend one phone. It's obviously iOS. It's obviously the iPhone. However, now I can really see a lot of different people for whom an Android phone is yes. going to be a better choice. If you're not if <clears throat> if for certain values where certain advantages of the iPhone are of no importance to you, then suddenly that opens up a lot of possibilities with Android. I have to wonder if Apple does not do a dual core iPhone five in June as they would normally be want to do and we know they're going to put that new a5 chip in it uh if they're not going to start to look like they're lagging a little bit behind as more and more you know you don't used to you, that phone you have there andy is single processor but the but droid bionic will be out in a month that's dual mm -hmm. processor there's a number of other dual processor phones including the atrix for at&t uh that's going to i think rapidly become the standard for phones is are well, they the going to feel behind the question is, is, what does the dual processor do for you? Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it never hurts to have more processing power, but you've got to use it for something useful before, you know, you start to say, oh, wow, we've got to have a dual proc to be able to compete. Gaming. Yeah, I mean, that's, well, that, well that's, that's my point. The people are that, uh, the developers are more attracted to iOS as a money-making money venture than they are to Android. Uh, and you do, you do see great games make their way to Android, but they're, tend to come to iOS first. So the dual core processors, it's like, it's like having a really great car with a really great engine in it that you use to drive to the market and back end. It's, just, it's nice to have that extra badge on the, on the side of your car, but you gotta have a way to use it. And right now, Android doesn't have a whole lot of ways that you can really, really squeeze those horses out of the CPU. And, and, uh, <laughs> and the chat room's saying, and I think they're absolutely right, battery life is going yeah. to be a real big question mark with a dual processor. Yeah. Phone. I don't know if they're going to be able to make. I mean, well, the battery life on the iPad From is the close, iPad, yeah. but it's a well. I think it's a little lower. Don't you? I haven't noticed, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, it's my, so long that I don't notice either, but I think it's... it's a, yeah, it's 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 hard. I, did, I didn't I did do a full drain to zero test. I did a series of 50% uh, drain tests, and I came to the conclusion that it's about the same capacity as the original. If it's far off, if it's off, it's not far enough to, not uh, far to make a, to make a yeah. complaint about it. And, but remember that on the iPad, they have so much... So the fact that it's a device this big means they can just pack it with batteries. Yeah, it's a huge battery. I think that I think that if I think if Apple decides to go for a larger screen iPhone, one of the reasons is that. But look how much bigger a battery we can, we can put in there if we just make it bigger. We could also put in an HDMI port. Some say, <laughs> some people are saying that the Atrix battery life is very good, but I I think uh, PC Magazine said six hours and forty four minutes. That's not long enough. If you don't get through a, a day. Maybe yeah. I guess if you only work a six-hour day, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get through a day, I think it's a, that's a non-starter. And I think, actually, this is one area where iPhone 4 really does have a leg up for two reasons. One, it does have better battery life. Better battery life. And two, there's a number of companies like uh, Mophie and, a and Techion that make yeah. battery cases. Yeah. I don't see any of those for the Android phones. And so I can guarantee, when I, need, when I have to be away from a plug for 12 hours, there, there's only one phone I can take with me, and that's the iPhone. Well, yeah. I think that's probably one of the things you run into with the fragmentation of the Android market is that you're going to have fewer accessories because you know, there may be a lot of Android phones, but you're not going to have you know uh, individual battery cases made for each one of them because the, the economies of scale just aren't there. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you're an accessory manufacturer, the iPhone is a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, there are very. I a, there's a dearth of cases or accessories for any Android phone. Yeah, if uh, if if uh, if uh, the conversation got a little bit longer, I would have fished out of my bag. I'm traveling, which Go means ahead, that I fish. have my I have my uh, <laughs> fish. I travel, fish away, I Andy. Go fish, Andy. Like, Go now, fish. Now, now we'll have the we'll have the, gra the graphical where you can see me look for something in my man-sized purse of a, of a thing. But I just absolutely I don't I don't travel without without this thing here, which is the new trend oh. like. Yeah. Huge, huge rechargeable USB battery pack that re right. that makes that means I will not be stuck at an airport as long as anything has a USB. I have one on like it. that from EverReady. Now that'll charge your exactly. phones. Will it charge your laptop? I won't charge my laptop, but it's powerful enough to give a complete recharge uh, to the iPad. I mean, it's serious. It's uh, like yeah. it's a uh, 11.1 amp hours. Yeah, I carry uh, one of those with me too. Those, if, those if, are if, those if, are if, very if handy. If you want, if you want extra battery. Get some extra battery. Don't don't mess around with it. But it's also it's also a question of just being smart the way you design these things. Uh, not to turn this whole thing into uh, into a review of this phone, but remember that if I'm gonna if I'm having a long long travel day where I'm out of my hotel at 6 a.m. and I got I have to have a working phone until I get home at 11 p.m. I have options. I can turn off the 3G. I can do I can do a whole bunch of things to conserve the, the battery. With this one, you can't turn off the 4G radio and and drop it down to something that consumes less power. So that's going to become as as this is. I think this is one of the reasons why Apple decides not to play that sort of bullet chart game. They don't care if whatever website does a comparison between four phones and that there isn't the green check mark next to the iPhone in this category. They're really concerned about let's produce a total package phone that makes sense as a total package. We don't care if this has uh, if it has one core instead of two cores. We don't care if this has 3G and 4G. We want to make sure this is just a really good experience for the user. All right. Well, it's that time once again. We have to ask this question every week. And we've got two people who should know. They're on the inside. They have the insight. They are the seers, the peerless prognosticators of iPhone shipping dates. Will we see an iPhone five in June, Adam Angst? I'm betting no for right now. It just, I mean, 
usually you start hearing more rumblings, um, and we know that Apple's doing the big WWDC, um, Mac OS X Lion, um, either release or, or certainly something very close to release there, and it feels like a little too much all at once, and Apple likes to spread things out just a little bit more than Are that. Are they going to wait uh, for iOS 5? It feels to me as though they'll either wait for iOS 5 or or have it very close after. I mean, they don't usually, again, they do like to, to mix that. Where they sometimes have had trouble is like they'll have, um, I think they've, they've mixed with the iPod Touch and the iPhone where they've not quite gotten them in sync with the iOS right. versions. And right. so that's the only question. But, I mean, we often see an, a new iPod Touch in September, so it feels to me like they could turn that iPod announcement they usually have in September into the iOS into the iPhone and iOS 5 announcement. You agree, Andy? I'm really not sure. I agree with Adam in the sense that when you evaluate rumors uh, or try to pronosticate yeah. this sort of stuff, it usually it's not so much the data you get as the velocity and the tenor yeah. of the data you yeah, get. And I'm not getting that sort of feed. I'm not getting that sort of sense of uh, the sort of stuff I should be hearing and should be both in front channels and back channels right now, uh, to think that there's going to be an iPhone 5. I don't, but the fact of the matter is, I just don't know. The interesting thing, though, is that if we, decide, if we think that Apple is not going to be releasing a phone the same week that they do the developers' conference, that allows the mind to wander a little bit <laughs> and think about, does this mean that the iPhone 5 will have a certain hardware feature that will require a lot of developer support, therefore requiring developers to have two months of advance notice or a month mm. of advance notice before they release the hardware? So they so might say, show iOS 5 yes. and say, get ready because we want you to have the new super-duper jetpack feature. Yeah. Like they, they might see like two days, like one day, no, not two days later, one day later, someone will reveal something really, really deep, deep buried in the new version of Xcode or in some sort of documentation right. that says, oh, and by the way, to enable your applications to automatically scale to any arbitrary screen size, simply yeah. pass this value <laughs> to your window view. What, what, wait, wait, Whoa, oh, what? Arbitrary, arbitrary what? Arbitrary screen size. <laughs> uh, near field communication seems like a good bet for... Uh, <laughs> For, for a feature. I could see Apple, Sprint's saying they're going to do this by the end of the year. We, they're going to start offering a pay service that supports near-field communications. That's the chip that uh, Google put into the, the Google Nexus S, uh, and um, rumors are might be in a new iPhone that allows you to kind of wave your phone in front of a cash register and uh, automatically uh, debit your account. Is and it all in the wrist there, Leo? It is. is that the you know how I do that? You know, okay. if you want to practice... Just get Star Wars Episode Three and go. These aren't the droids you're looking for. It's just like that. It's that same. I, I think I think you beat Episode Four. Eight, uh, did I say three, four? Of course. Oh God! At least I didn't say Star Trek, which I am wants to do. <laughs> These aren't the droids you're. See that? This is the droid is you're looking for. I could just, I could totally see the Motorola ad. Yeah. This is the droid you're looking. So um, I mean, as long as they're paying Lucas, you might as well give him more. Um, <laughs> But I, that would be, and, and I could just, if anybody were to to do this and do it effectively, it's not going to be Google. It would be Apple yeah. with a because whole e-commerce system built uh, built in. Not only that, but they're the only company that could, this, they're the only company that could simply say, we're going to sell 14 million phones this yeah. year, and every one of them is going to have this feature on it. And it's not going to be something that pe people have to pay an extra five or ten bucks right. for. They're simply going to get it for free. 
So that doesn't mean that this, if that this sort of pay system is going to really take off in that year, but there might be enough of a base that if you go to an event, for instance, it might be worth the, the while for the t-shirt vendors to simply have that sort of pay system sure. set up because it'll support the one bit most popular piece of phone. But every time I see one of these alternative pay systems, I, I wish I, I wish I had it with me. Uh, I often wear it when I travel. I have my my uh, my uh, my Sun Microsystems Java ring. Uh, which looks it looks like what it, it's it's uh, it's the most it's the, it's the most it's the most remember fun. that it's a, it's actually if you can imagine like this looking like a, a high school or, or college uh -huh. ring only has it has like a button on the front of it and it says digital decoder engraved on the on the face of the ring uh, and actually inside this little button it's just like an encapsulated like little uh, little uh, uh, neco wafer of, of metal it is actually a one wire one chip computer that could you could tap it against a blue pad that would be against a coffee maker a soda dispenser a doorway for security and just with that one wonder twin powers tap it would make the content power the computer uh, because it has 128 bit encryption it could do things Ooh. like have a conversation saying yes uh, this is this is andy likes andy likes a coke classic but only if it's at uh, 38.4 degrees if it's Warmer wow. than 40 degrees, don't bother. If if you do have it in stock and it's that temperature, deduct $1.25 from the money that he's loaded into this ring and make the purchase. When's that going to uh, come out? That sounds great. Well, it's going to come out in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sun Microsystems gave these away at a developer conference when they introduced, it was, it was an operating system called Java Cards. They gave them away to all these developers. And at that conference, you could tap it against a coffee machine. It would give you the coffee wow. exactly the way you like it. Uh, if it had taken off, it would have been fun, but instead it's just a conversation piece that I use to make people think that I actually graduated from high school. Uh, so, But the difference, the difference here is, is that this could work because it won't be something you actually have to wear on your wrist or on your, or on your finger. It would be just some, a feature that's inside your phone that you weren't aware of until you were aware that, oh, wait, my supermarket just, ha just put up this placard next to every single register saying you can now pay with your iPhone if you have an iPhone 5. Yeah. No, so, in the words of Kim Kardashian, it's all about the back end. You gotta. You gotta. You got, you very got, hip reference, Leo. I'm very, very. Well, I almost said J Lo, and then I thought, no, I can update that. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but you got. If, if, if it means meaningless to have the front end if you don't have the back end, if you know what I'm saying. You gotta. You, you, oh, I'm okay. And we have a show title. <laughs> anything to say, Adam? Anything at all? It's Apple's new moneymaker. <laughs> I actually, I actually I'm, I'm on all seriousness. I think that that is that is a feature that we will absolutely see by the fall. Do you think Adam? Do you agree with Adam, Andy, that September instead of an iPod announcement, we get iPhone four or five? <laughs> Well, here's, not, here's the thing. With, here's the thing, though, with iPods. I mean, the iPod announcements. You don't have need to the, announce iPods anymore. Nobody's right, buying iPods. Like, I mean, the the whole business is 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 going down. I mean, and it, it's it, it basically had a great run. Apple sold a bazillion of them, um, but you know, let's face it, they can't really make them any smaller at this point. And people start you know losing them and the you know swallowing them and yeah. stuff. So well, they tried that you know, with the the Trident gum phone <laughs> yeah. pod and it was too small yeah, yeah it was too small it's like so, old play yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i think i think that would make sense and they could they could have you know the iphone ipod touch announcement and oh by the way here's our latest ipod nano right well they may not even mention it they may just say yeah we got that thing but this would 
Also makes sense from the point of view of Verizon customers who got theirs in January. That's at least nine months. At least you got some time. What about people who say, man, maybe Apple will just start doing it every other year, uh, giving you two years to use up your contract? Uh, you could make the same case. There's not a lot of new stuff to put in an iPhone 5. I don't think so. I, I think Apple's very interested in keeping their lead, um, mm. that six-month kind mm. of first-mover advantage that they mm. keep, they have and they're not letting go of, and uh, they keep leapfrogging everyone else who catches up, and Apple jumps half forward again. IPad, iPad iPhone, they're just, you know, I don't think they're going to let up the, uh, the pressure on that for a while. You agree, Andy? Uh, I think so, especially because Android, the, the whole selling feature of an Android phone is no matter what shape, size, form, factor, or vogue you're interested in this year, there is an Android phone that can suit that need. Uh, I mean, if you don't like, I mean, there's the, 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 the so much variety that if you don't like the idea that this phone has a kickstand, uh, you can probably find a version of this from HTC that has every single feature, but, but it does the not have a kit, the kickstand. You can, in so fact. I don't think that Apple would let the <clears throat> just watch the pitch go by for two whole years while waiting for a new model to come it out. Is, it is moving very quickly, and in some ways, Apple Apple's slow cycle has been a disadvantage, but in many ways, it's been a real advantage as they watch the market fragmentation uh, in, in the Android space. It's a, it, I tell you, it's fascinating, and since this stuff has to be done at least a year ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, they, they're really some interesting calculation going on. I will give you in a minute uh, the stunning figures from Comscore on Android versus iPhone. Uh, and more, too, coming up, including our picks of the week. But before we do anything else, I want to mention our great friends at Citrix who make that wonderful suite of applications based on remote access. It starts with, of course, the Citrix Enterprise remote access, which is the best in the business. But there's a whole lot more. Go to my PC, go to webinar, and of course go to meeting. If you are uh, traveling a lot, and, 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 and I know there are people who, who just spend a whole lot of time getting in airplanes and going to visit clients and colleagues, it's just obvious that you've got to stop that. You've got to start doing more teleconferencing. But if you've ever hosted an online meeting, a teleconference, you know how hard it is to get them started on time. <laughs> To, to get it, keep it moving along, to make it effective. And your reputation, if you're the meeting maker, your reputation is on, on the line here. GoToMeeting is fast, easy, reliable online meeting. It's easy for you to set up. You don't need any special uh, help from the IT department. And even easier for your clients to use. I think that's pretty critical, don't you agree? You can't make them jump through hoops if you want to give them a sales presentation. It's simple. You send them an email. First, here's what you do. It's free for 30 days. So install GoToMeeting, Mac or PC, by going to GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. It's up at the top of the page there. The offer code for this is MacBreak. Please do me a favor. Do Andy a favor, Alex, and the entire MacBreak crew. Use MacBreak as your coupon code so we know you heard it here. Uh, you'll get 30 days free. You install on your computer, Mac or PC. Now, this is the beauty part. Next time you want to hold a meeting, if you're on a, on a Windows PC, Outlook is integrated. I'm not sure on a Mac. I guess you have to go to the website, but you click a button, and it creates an email for you with all the meeting information, including a conference bridge. That's That comes with it for free, a phone conference bridge. They click the link. They get the software 30 seconds later, and it's always up to date because each time they'll download new software, but very quickly. All they have to do is click the link in the email and say allow, and boom, they're seeing your desktop. They're seeing the conference bridge number. They can press a button and use their own speakers and, and, uh, and microphone on their laptop or iPad. There's a great iPad app for this. It is just easy 
simple and reliable. And it impresses people with your efficiency. They, they say, wow, you know, this, this worked really well. In fact, that's one of the cool things about GoToMeeting. It kind of sells itself. Just try it once and you'll see why people use this. Reduce your meeting expenses. Reduce the overhead in preparing meeting materials. Free conferencing built in. And a very affordable, $49 a month. That's, that's a lot less than even one trip across town to hold a presentation. All the meetings you want, too, for 49 bucks a month. Here's what you do. Go to meeting.com, click the Try It Free button, the promo code M-A-C-B-R-E-A-K. One month free. Just try it. Just try it. Go to meeting.com. MacBreak Weekly on the air. Alex Lindsay's on assignment in Paris. God, what kind of assignment? I That's think uh, croissants and espresso. I, I believe yeah. he's on a croissant assignment. Lucky dog. Is he actually working, uh, Eileen, or is he just he's just flitting around enjoying baguettes and brie? April in Paris. He's Son of kicking a... commie butt. He's that's what he's doing. <laughs> that's what he's up to. He's making sure that never again. Godspeed, Alex Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Those Axis powers will never again threaten our nation's shores. And to think they'll never be a monument, Alex Lindsay. <laughs> they'll just simply disappear and the government won't be able to acknowledge. That's right. That's right. The Lindsay identity. There are a bunch of identity. school kids in Omaha, Nebraska who are alive today because that missile never got launched. <laughs> That's Andy Anako, Chicago Sun-Times. His website is cwob.com. Adam Angst is here, too. And, boy, he is the... Uh, he, Young-looking guy, but that's because he runs miles and miles every day to maintain his <laughs> youthful appearance. Uh, but he has the longest-running journalist in the in the uh, Mac space, in the Apple space, for 20 years, 21 years now, tidbits.com. If you are not a subscriber to this free newsletter, you must just go right there and get it. Every week that comes in, and that, frankly, that provides the grist for the mill. <laughs> Turning the wheel. Yeah, I don't know how you do it, I, really. But but how, when did you make that your full-time job? Um, pretty much 1992. Um, that, was when, that was when we invented advertising on the Internet, which um, <laughs> yeah. Google, still, Google still hasn't thanked me for. You know? Were you the first, really, to, to have ads? Yeah, yeah, yeah 1992. Wow. I thank you for that. advertising on the Internet. I thank you. Really? Wow. That's amazing. I thank you for that, Adam. Yeah, uh, and truthfully, uh, in many in many ways, uh, this show wouldn't exist. A lot of the new media that goes on wouldn't exist if you hadn't proven the concept that you could, in fact, not be mainstream, big shot newspaper, uh, and you could make a living uh, covering uh, stuff that people care obsessively about. I I found it fascinating when blogging became a big deal. I was really like, but but I've been doing how that. is this different? <laughs> I've been doing that for years. I've been doing that for, doing years. That for ten years. And we should give credit to uh, your wife, Tanya, too, who gets, gets a lot uh, of credit actually, for that. Tidbits was her idea to begin with, so she gets all the credit. Yeah. It's funny. Why do we have you on the show, then? <laughs> you had her last time. Oh, okay. <laughs> we do tag team. We love, we love you both. So Comscore uh, says, Comscore is, I think, a fairly reliable source of information. They're not exactly IDC. Uh, they sound reliable, anyway. They, One of those names. Comscore. Uh, I'm not sure how they know this. I, I, let me put it this way. I trust Comscore's uh, ratings of websites. I think that they're very accurate uh, in uh, measuring website traffic. I don't know how they measure mobile handset sales. That's the only question mark. But they say, somehow they know this, that Android is just dominating. 
seven-point gain in market share. Market share in the past three months in the U.S. RIM's market share is collapsing. BlackBerry dropped five points in the last quarter. iPhone share increased slightly unless you include iPod Touches, which I think in some ways you ought to because a touch is really the phone without the phone. Um, in any event, uh, according to Comscore, uh, Android is just clobbering everyone with one-third uh, of the market share. RIM, 29%. Apple, 25%. And uh, the uh, soon-to-be number one phone platform, Windows Phone 7, <laughs> went from 9% to 7.7%. So, guys, you better start running if you're going to catch up. Palm, 2.8%. So, first, are these numbers reliable? I don't know. Do, I've been... Do, uh, do, No, by all means, Adam. You <laughs> Adam, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, or, do, or does it matter? I mean, twenty-five percent is actually a pretty decent market share for a single plat, single phone. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, I think I think the problems with this data is how it's going to be interpreted by so many other people. Uh, I've been reading a couple pieces, actually a series of pieces that have been posted on BusinessInsider.com that are using that as a really as a way to justify every single opinion about how, well, Apple's day is over. They had a, an amusing no, little run, that. but eventually the power of an open platform and not controlling your users or your developers yeah, 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 proves yeah, the day yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, without really coming up with any information to support the idea that Apple's day is done. Uh, again, I do think that it's a reflection of the volume of handsets that are actually out there, not on the one platform's dominance. And coincidentally... Yeah, I mean, if you think... And this is always the case with Mac versus Windows. If you, if you kind of rephrase the statement to say, iPhone, one quarter of all smartphones in the United States are iPhones, that sounds a little better, doesn't it? Yeah, also when you look at uh, Google Analytics saying that iOS is still the absolutely dominant... In, in terms of mobile devices using the web... Uh, there's so many more iOS devices that are, are being tracked using websites than uh, any Android device. So at it's I don't think it's it's a, a defensive statement to say that oh well that that other data must be wrong. But just it's an illustration that you if you want to decide that one company is absolutely dominating the market, you can really freely choose the metric that you want to select as the most important one. Is it the number of devices that are in the field being used? Is it the number of devices being sold? And then you can start splitting hairs to say, well, this is an Android phone, but it's running. It's still running 1.6. Right. Does that really count against yeah. the total of numbers? Well, that's a good field? point, too, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's the other thing which, which I find interesting is that Apple is pretty clear about their numbers, that, you know, every six months or so, there's some event, and Steve Jobs gets up there and said, we've sold 20 million of these, we've sold 30 million of these, we're now up to 270 billion, whatever, you know, it's just, <laughs> the numbers always keep coming. And I actually really appreciate that, because, I mean, you could accuse them potentially of lying, um, they have the numbers, and only they <laughs> know the numbers. There's never been any evidence of that. The only question to me is, is it sell-through, yeah. or is it uh, into the yeah, channel? Yeah, this is a little twist here. But then you look at things like the Kindle. How many Kindles have been sold? No idea. Don't know. How many of these HTC Thunderbolts have been sold? No, no idea. idea. Unless, you're, unless the companies are actually telling us this stuff, I personally always wonder a little bit because, you know, it's not like Apple as being the leader is being shy about their numbers. And so if these other people are beating them, wouldn't they want to share their numbers too? Well, that's true. Although it is, of course, dozens of companies with, you know, several dozens of handsets. So 
I, that's why I'm kind of <laughs> which might not mean anything. Yeah, that's I'm, not I'm, that. I'm curious where that where how Comscore even calculates this. Uh, they do say that the Verizon iPhone was the number one phone in February. Yeah, that's not um, surprising. Yeah, I mean that's when it that was like the it came out in late January, so that's I guess that's not a surprise. Um, what they do is they sample. So this came from a sample of thirty thousand U.S. mobile subscribers. It's 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 like um, ratings. It's like um, surveys. It's like it's samples. It's you know and you know and there's a statistical model for this. So I'd say they're probably close. But I guess the question is, does it matter to uh, to Apple? What it, who it should matter to though is developers, and this is the point you're making, Andy, that Henry Blodgett uh, and others who are, you know, waving the flag for Android here are saying, well, this is going to persuade developers to write for Android as opposed to writing for Apple. You don't see a, a groundswell of developers moving to the Android platform. Um, not really. Uh, you have to be. A f it's. Developers, successful developers for a mobile platform seem to fall into two different categories. Either the well-funded professionals that are part of an existing development team, we're talking about electronic arts, we're talking about the, right. the team that does the, the Kindle app, that sort of stuff, or the people who just simply like the phone that they're using and are fairly passionate about it. They do program at, for a living and they developed, they had a great idea and they actually, actually executed it. The, the developers that I've been talking to, and I, this is by no means a complete sample, I can't find any many examples of people who are so excited about the Android uh, the right. Android platform that they're willing to go beyond the idea of I have this cute little idea for an app I wrote it in a couple of days and I released it. We're not seeing the sort of people who are writing apps like Fiedler uh, for iOS, which is a very sophisticated and very mature RSS reader app for Google Reader. Uh, the fact that a Google phone doesn't yet have a really great Google Reader app, as far as I can tell, uh, is kind of telling. I, I can name at least four for for iOS. I've seen one that was very good. I saw a second one that was okay, and the rest are more like. Oh, so you learned how to open up a web page that's been formatted with a superimposed CSS style sheet. Good. What happens on day two of your Android uh, developer course? <laughs> well, don't be too dismissive. Fred Wilson, who uh, is a very well-known and persuasive and I think really smart venture capitalist, his blog AVC, uh, he says that after seeing these numbers, um, uh, and and putting up these Comscore uh, numbers, uh, he says um, that he believes the mobile OS market will play out very similarly to Windows and Macintosh with Android in the role of Windows. And this is the important quote. If you want to be in front of the largest number of users as a developer, you need to be on Android. Is that not true? But I think, but I think there's a different... I think, I mean, the, the obviously analogy is easy to make, but it's a different situation because... Apple with the Macintosh never had vast percentages of the market to start with. And so Android is coming in late in this case rather than being in a situation where, you know, Windows, you know, Windows, the, Windows was basically coming in after DOS, which had the majority of the market um, when the Macintosh was new. Well, so I, I think it's a different, it's a different yeah. um, I will grant you that in, in terms of, when you're talking about EA, they're going to develop for both because it's sure. big and I mean, quarter, a quarter of, this, of, of the market share is plenty for them to make lots of money on, on a game on uh, iOS. And they still want to have that Android marketplace, and they uh, can afford the developers to do both. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you're right about independent developers, Andy, that they go where their heart is. Yeah. And I have to tell you, if I were a developer, heart or not, I have to look at the fact that developing for the iPhone is developing for a single platform that I know exactly what the capabilities are, 
I, I disagree with you in terms of development tools. There are free development tools for Android. A lot of people know Java. Uh, maybe it's not quite as elegant as Xcode, but it's there. You don't have to pay the $99 developer fee. I think that developing for Android is as easy as developing for the iPhone. But I think that people are, gonna, are, are often going to say, well, but I know I'm going to get 25% market share. I know these people buy in-app purchases more than Android people. I'm, yeah. I'm content developing for the iPhone. I, 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 have, to, I have to categorically just uh, uh, oppose any, any uh, commentator who is saying that, well, the fact that there are more Android handsets or, any, or iOS handsets means that it's going to be more attractive to developers. Uh, I mean, both of you guys are mm -hmm. in jobs of having a product and selling it to people. You know you'd much rather sell to a market of 50,000 people, 40% yes. of whom are willing yep. to give you money, than yep. get, well, what if, what if you had your own show on NBC yep. and maybe <laughs> one quarter of those people, it's just... It's just we hit the nail on the head. We both, we both opted for yeah. niche products. So you're exactly yeah. right, Andy. We, we did that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's it's absolutely true. And as I was going to say, too, is that uh, you, you know, just because you are put in front of a large audience means nothing. Right. It Ask really Friday does. Girl, yeah. <laughs> I, I've lived it. <laughs> now, on the flip side of that is, is Apple's uh, draconian approval process, which I think no developer likes, and the fact that they take 30% of revenues. Um so there are negatives on the Apple platform, but I would say on, on, the, on the balance sheet, there's going to be plenty of independents who say, oh, no, I'm always going to develop for iOS. Like you, Andy, I talk to them every day. Yeah. Similarly, uh, there are a lot of people who they, they quite legitimately and quite correctly, they just respond better to Android than to iOS. And those are developers who are going to say, it kind of frosts me that there isn't a really good Google Reader, RSS Reader app. I'm going to I'm gonna build write the first one. one that's really, yeah. really awesome. And that guy is, or that woman is going to own the market because it will be stand out head and shoulders above everybody else. I'm really keen to see six months from now how the new Amazon, <laughs> Amazon uh, Android App Store changes things. Yeah. But it actually makes those really great apps a lot easier to find. Well, it'll be interesting because Amazon uh, extorts the same... 30 yeah. percent and they set the price and they can even give it away for free if they feel well, like it yeah but you know freedom is the freedom doesn't equal power it's just another but, word and, for nothing else to do exactly and again you know if i hear a number you know from another person is like you know oh if your books are on amazon uh, having your book on amazon is again basically meaningless you know that yes you should do here's it here's a guy who knows by the way <laughs> yeah yeah no i i mean i've had books that have done well in amazon i've had books that have right. done nothing in amazon right. and the simple fact is is that being in a very large store guarantees you nothing it's 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 possibility might work out might not work out but the fact is that that just having that vast audience is not a not a predictor yep. of anything you're still responsible for selling your own product yeah. right true true um, we asked last week, I asked last week, should Apple take a victory lap? <laughs> and, uh, I still think Apple should take the victory Huh? Steve Jobs just like rips off his Ripper shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's over. He's won. The World Cup is his. And guess what? Apple, I think, did in fact take a victory lap this week with their new iPad ad. Let's just uh, take a, a little look at this. Oh, let me get the sound up so you can hear it because the audio is, is is nicely done peter coyote by the way reading this this is what we believe technology alone is not enough faster thinner lighter those are all good things but when technology gets out of the way everything becomes more delightful <laughs> even magical that's when you leap forward <laughs> 
That's when you end up with something like this. <laughs> they don't even need to say <laughs> what this is. I, I, I think the, I think the, the, they should just have a five second or ten second ten second radio spot that simply says, "Your mother is dying of a terminal disease. Do you want your doctor to be using an iPad or an Android?" <laughs> yeah, that would do it. <laughs> the Apple logo. <laughs> that would do it. I mean, this I is quite, clearly quite a victory lap. Magical, re revolutionary. We changed the world. S Steve Wozniak said something that today, uh, this week, that I have been saying since I saw the first iPad a, a year ago, January, which is that this was the computer. Apple was founded to build the computer for the rest of us. And I think that that's the victory lap. You just saw the victory lap. Yeah. I, 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 I first realized that about a year ago. And once again, I had my iPad, my Bluetooth keyboard at the pizza place with Wi-Fi. And suddenly I just looked at it. And for the first time, I saw a Mac 128, or at least the device that the original Mac development team would have loved to have built, the sub $1,000 computer that you can take anywhere and you will take anywhere that does anything you want to do and just goes invisible. Yep. The what Banana Junior. <laughs> yes, the Banana Junior. You've just, you've just made a proposal for a great <laughs> iPad stand that I definitely would buy. Those, those, a little yes, those, opus. Those, yes, little opus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the arms. <laughs> I, I do like that. Let's take a break. Um, yeah, what can you say, you know? <laughs> what can you say? Um, tablets, says Waz, are for normal people. Normals. The normals like it. <laughs> it's not like Waz doesn't know what normal isn't anyway well I, yeah that's a question but that's another that's that's a question for another day and, <laughs> and that's the word of a man who rides a segway everywhere and pays for money from a gummed pad of two dollar bills yeah by the way i found i was so pleased we interviewed um uh, uh ray kurzweil on wednesday of last week uh by the way if you didn't hear that interview great interview on triangulation it's twit.tv slash tri and uh, i pulled down his book could you get that for me the singularity uh is near I think it's that or Fantastic Voyage. It's on the right, right at the top there on the right, the black. Give me both of them. And I found something in here that just kind of uh, blew my mind. I guess I'd put this on the shelf a while ago. And um, thank you, Eileen. Look what I found. This is so cool. <laughs> two, two dollar bills still, uh, you know, together. Autographed by a Waz. Yep. Isn't that awesome? I feel like now I should do the victory lap here. I mean, this is this is so cool. They're autographed to somebody named Henry. I don't know who that is, but uh, Henry, I got it. No, that's my son. So isn't that nice? So I I got to frame these. These are those two dollar bills. It was hands out. He still does that. We did that he did, on the cruise. He had a sheaf of them, and he also and I also somewhere have his metal card. He has a new metal card that you can still cut fillet of so, fillet mignon with. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna take a break. Adam Angst is here. Andy Anatko. We're talking about. Macintosh, iOS. The Sony uh, president, was he the president of Sony who said that, uh, yeah, they ordered our phone, the CEO. They ordered our yeah. phone for the iPhone 5. Is, uh, camera. Uh, camera. Camera, rather. Yeah. You think so? I, uh, I don't yeah. know. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he knew from the quote. I mean, he's like, <laughs> oh, they think we think they use some chips or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the weir it's the weirdest thing. The last person that I trust with the uh, news as a source for a rumor <laughs> is a CEO. Yeah. Because either they're smart enough to know that they can't talk about this yet, or they honestly don't know what's going on underneath them. But they're CEO, so they feel as though they can talk about things that they heard on a whiteboard, or they saw on a whiteboard that someone said that they're thinking about doing at some point in the future. That possibly, if things work out. 
We'll be running out the flagpole and see if the ducks lose. He was uh, he was uh, talking. He was talking to Walt Mossberg, uh, and uh, he was talking about the uh, the earthquake in Sendai. Uh, it's Howard Stringer, uh, and he said that their camera image sensor facility in Sendai was affected by the tsunami. He said something to the effect of, "Our best sensor technology is he's English is built on one of the tsunami." I have to tell you what the accent is because I know people will go, "What the hell are you saying?" Our best sensor technology is built on one of the tsunami-affected factories. Those go to Apple for their iPhones or, or iPads. Isn't that something? They buy our best sensors from us. That's it. That's the quote. That's it. Who knows? Who knows? I have that English accent in my head because I've been listening to, uh, oh, what a wonderful novel, uh, by a sci-fi novel by Peter F. Hamilton called The Dreaming Void. Both uh, Steve Gibson and Brian Brushwood told me I should listen to this on Audible. And the uh, the reader has such a posh English accent now. You know how that, does that ever happen to you, Andy? You'll be listening to a book and you start mm -hmm. talking like, like the guy who read Dangerously Funny, the Smothers Brothers book, he kind of yeah. talked like this. And now, and for a while I was talking like this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's part of the fun of Audible is that they always have a wide range of voice actors. I like with that. the Smothers Brothers book, I have to admit that I almost bailed after the first 10 minutes because it took me a while to get used to that voice because it wasn't really it was supposed to be comedic. It yeah. was just yeah, it's like, oh, dear, never, never have a, have a former writer <laughs> talk about him. Oh, dear. Was that the writer? That was, no, it wasn't I, David Biancooley. No, yeah, Actually, David Biancooley no, sounds, exactly. sounds pretty that's good. That's, that's, he's he's, on, he's, on, he's uh, the regular guest host on Fresh Air. Yeah. So, he has hi, a good, I'm David yeah. This is a, of, of TV John, Johnny Heller narrated Dangerously Funny. This is his voice, just so you know what we're talking about. In addition, they never failed to find steady work in nightclubs. Yeah. He sounds like, a little bit like Droopy yeah. Dog. But, uh, but, he was, but you know what? He did like Harry Belafonte's voice. Yeah. It was actually it was kind of fun. But let me play you. Just, i got to play The Dreaming Void because uh, this guy, I love his accent. And it's funny how you get, you know, people actually... Start following Audible readers, and we'll get all the books that they read, <laughs> not the books that they want to hear. So this is John Lee. Voice who, groupies. I have to say, I'm going to voice groupie of John Lee. From now on, any books that he does, I'm listening to him. Centurion Station's growth and age could be measured loosely in the same way as any humble terrestrial tree. He's such a good developed reader. Developed in rings that had been added to over the centuries. By the way, excellent book, but I'm going to let Andy and not go. And let's slip the dogs of war. <laughs> I'm going to let him think of a... Have a double firm latte, half-half, half-decap, and make it a venti. Do you ever do that? you ever go into a Starbucks and talk like that? Uh, no, because I don't know how to order coffee. <laughs> you did that quite well, actually. <laughs> You're learning. So uh, what is your? what are you reading these days on Audible? Uh, I'm reading now. This this was an interesting pick for me, because uh, I was really interested in the subject matter uh, of Bobby Fischer. Uh, the you know the yes really as, interesting as the, the chess genius who had the the, the 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 tagline on his life is that he was a genius at chess but knew practically nothing about anything else. He yeah. basically turned his entire formative years into learning nothing but chess, which meant that he learned nothing about other people. Yeah, and very he, common, he did, by the way. I, I must say. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's this. I really think that the first first eighteen years of your life, the whole point is to build an operating system for interacting with other people because that's what the solution <laughs> for every other problem is going to be about. Yeah, about figuring out yeah. how the humans work yeah. uh, and yeah. basically finding that connection between you and those other people. And because he never did that, uh, it's a it's so uh, I have two different books. They, they're two real two different really really cool. Uh, 
books about Bobby Fischer that came out over the past three or four months. Uh, and I'm going to give listeners an option here <laughs> that if you are interested in an exciting story about all of the behind-the-scenes intrigues between governments and personalities and, and old-fashioned chess hegemony uh, that went into the uh, legendary match between uh, Fisher and Spassky, uh, uh, Boris Spassky and Bobby Fischer, which was happened in 1972 when the Cold War was at its most elegant and its most frustrating and its most violent, where it seems as though both of these, both of these countries... Uh, decided to take out all of their post-moon landing frustrations mm, and mm -hmm. various organ-waving things and make this that either the, either the USSR is going to be the greatest country in the world or the U.S. is going to be the greatest country in the world. Um, there's a, there's a re really wonderful book about that match called Bobby Fischer Goes to War, How the Soviets Lost the Most Extraordinary Chess Match. Oh, interesting. Uh, and, uh, it's by David Edmonds and John Ednow. Uh, read by Sam Sotsovis, I don't know his name, uh, and it really focuses on that. I actually bought both both of these books. Uh, I liked Bobby Fischer Goes to War because the other book is called Endgame, Bobby Fischer's Remarkable Rise and Fall from America's Brightest Prodigy to the Edge of Madness mm. uh, by Frank Brady. This is more recent, and it, it of course, it talks about that match, but it is a full biography uh, of Fischer by a man who's been writing biographies of Fisher since the 60s. Oh, interesting. So it tells the entire story. Now, the reason why I offer both of these books is I'm going to, if you want that story about the match and the excitement and the intrigue and the personalities, go for that one. Now, if you are okay with a book that will leave you feeling very, very sad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but feel as though you have learned something fundamental about how you would like to raise your kids, especially if your kids seem as though they're being very, very smart. <laughs> and Don't because, do because, this! Yeah, because, yeah. because Bobby Fisher had a very, very... his own end He did game not end well. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed to have some, it's some serious problems going on, an absolute inability to relate to anybody or anything. You know, uh, Andy, was I was a chess player at the time during this whole thing and a uh, very serious tournament chess player and uh, followed this very closely. And it's not unusual for the greatest chess masters to woo -woo, get a little, uh, <laughs> woo -woo. I don't know if it's because they think so hard or I think your thesis is probably accurate that in order to become a great chess master, they have to give up everything. Everything yeah. else in their lives. And, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a larger lesson. It does in the, it will leave you sad. I think that after two or three days, when the color comes back to your face, uh, as yeah. it will, you'll sort of realize that there's a lesson here that yeah. is not enough to be. It's not enough to be that passionate and that focused and that knowing that much about a certain subject that you will get much much farther if you simply understand the person at the other side of that chessboard in all areas of life. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I uh, I cannot wait to read both these books. Uh, so Endgame, Bobby Fischer's remarkable rise and fall, is is the one that'll depress you if you're interested in the politics of this, which which were fascinating. I mean, Spassky's side claimed that the that the Americans were using secret weapons. Fisher said, "No, Spassky's spying on me." I mean, it was an yeah. amazing story. Bobby Fischer goes to war. Um, the Fisher-Spassky matches in the 70s, early 70s, were spectacular yeah. events. And, and the whole world was watching. Unless you were alive then, you probably don't remember this. But this was a big, big story. It was fascinating. Yeah. 
I understand this. It's been optioned for a movie that's currently shooting. And it's going to be available uh, released oh, in 2013. And I can believe after finishing this book, I can believe oh, it really amazing. turns into an exciting. Uh, it's it's one of those great books where you had really no interest in this level of play or this event or this sort of thing, but by the time you're midway through it, you've already figured out in your mind who you're rooting for, who yeah. you want to be thwarted. Spassky was a very nice man, actually. Yeah. Uh, but he was working for the Soviets. Uh, the interesting thing is Bobby Fischer ended his life uh, just a few years ago in Iceland. He went back. It was the only country that would have him. Yeah. Uh, still beloved in Iceland because that's where the match was in 1972. He, he brought a lot of attention to Iceland. And so of all the countries in the world, there were very few he could, he could choose from anymore. Uh, Iceland is where he ended up. Um, wow. It's just a, I, I, thank you, Andy. A couple of great recommendations. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> you got to choose. There are. This is the. This is the thing. I. If, if nothing else, Andy's illustrated the depth of choices on Audible.com. Not one, but two. In fact, there's actually more books about Bobby Fischer at Audible.com. So it really is like going to an amazing bookstore, but with one difference. It's full of audiobooks. And I got to tell you, if if you haven't listened to audiobooks before. This is the time. You know, Game of Thrones is coming to uh, HBO. There's a, uh, oh, the, the version of Game of Thrones on Audible is fantastic. Um, they, they do always have a list of um, books that are in, being made into movies currently. So it's a great way to see uh, some great stuff. Here's one about Tina Fey. I get, oh, you know, I mean, I just, uh, this is the problem. How do you choose just one? Well, pick one. Your first one's free. I know you're going to want more. Go to audible.com slash MacBreak. You'll be, you'll be signing up for the gold account, which is a book a month. That's plenty. That's at least for starters. <laughs> I, I, I listen to several a month now. I just love Audible. But start with one a month. We don't, we don't expect you to go hog wild. Uh, your first book is free. Your first month is free. And, and you can cancel it anytime and keep that book forever. So, um, you know, there's no risk for you. But do, do yourself a favor. Every, uh, every week... We recommend great books on Audible. Many of the show, you know, Paul Thorat's a huge Audible fan. Andy's a huge Audible fan. I am. I think almost all of the people who work at Twit by now have become <laughs> fans of Audible. So uh, we always have some great recommendations. It's uh, You, you want to read along with us? Go to audible.com slash MacBreak. You will. You can thank me later. I get a lot of, I, a lot of people thank me for, uh, for Audible. And it really is something, you know, you can read in the gym, in the car. Uh, when you're doing the dishes, I always I had Audible last night. I was so into the vo the Dreaming Void, I couldn't. I like I said no, and I had I set up my Sonos speaker system so I could listen while I was cooking dinner while, <laughs> while I was doing the dishes. <laughs> I don't. It's like I don't need to watch TV because I am seeing this play out, you know, on the screen of my mind. It's just so good. Audible.com/slash MacBreak. We thank them for their support of all of our Twitch shows. And now, let's start with uh, our guest. The guest of honor, Adam Engst. I bet it's hard for you to choose just one thing to recommend. Uh, you know, always. I mean, it's just there's there's cool stuff out there. But uh, so we one one cool thing that uh, that I wanted to recommend, just because partly because it's ours, but partly because it's brand new and actually covering the iPad and iPad too. We have Jeff Carlson's uh, "Take Control of Media" on your iPad ebook. And I uh, got it up here on the iPad. They can't see anything other than Adam's the cover, Take so Control series is so good. Highly recommend it. 
And uh, Jeff Carlson did a, a fabulous job of, of getting this book updated for iOS 4.3 and the iPad 2. So, you know, it's got stuff on how to use the camera and uh, just, you know, the latest versions of everything. So, really nice when you can get an ebook out there, you know, weeks after the, the thing ships. So, that's thing number one. You can go to takecontrolbooks.com to find that. And then the, the second thing I'd like to, uh, to recommend is actually a Firefox add-on. And uh, Firefox 4 just shipped recently. And one of the things they changed is they took out a feature that was in Firefox 3.6. And it was, it was something called Google's Browse by Name feature. So if you typed in the location bar, say you typed the two words White House, because you want to go and learn about you know, what's going on in the, in the White House right now. Um, Google's Browse by Name feature would actually do, basically do a search on that and say, well, if anyone's searching on White House, they really mean www.whitehouse.gov. Right. And I'll take you there directly. It's not quite like I'm feeling lucky, which Google also has. Um, and it's not doing just the domain addition. So if you type Apple, it's going to take it apple.com, but it's not doing that because it's just adding .com. So it's smarter than just adding the domain. Is this it the, so by Asan Afghari? That is indeed it. And, and it works uh, with Firefox 4. Yes. And, um, and the, you can, there's a way of doing this manual. You don't need the add-on, but it's certainly easier to recommend the add-on than you know, going mm -hmm. in and about config and messing with the key world URL with a specific URL and everything like that. So, but, uh, but as I say, it brings that back to Firefox 4. So if you, you were using Firefox and liked Browse by Name and sudden, or liked Firefox and used Browse by Name and then you switched to Firefox 4 and don't have it, well, I have to tell you, it threw me for a loop. So I was very happy to find that I could add the feature back. It's funny, I, I mentioned this uh, just the other week. That we, when we visited Google's lobby some time ago, they have a screen in one of the buildings that shows all of Google's searches as they're going by. And one of the top searches was for Yahoo. <laughs> and I thought, that's weird. And the Google guy said, well, actually, what we find is most people don't type in URLs anymore. They'll type yeah. in the name of the site, Yahoo, click search, then they'll get the list of Google results, and then they'll click Yahoo. So this simplifies that, takes one step out of it. You type Yahoo, you go to Yahoo. Yeah, no, you don't have to see the Google search results much quicker. And actually, it turns out there's a way of adding this to Chrome as well. That's something that actually is the main reason why I wasn't using Chrome was that I don't, didn't have that feature. And it's actually, honestly, the main reason why I don't use Safari, that I Safari type in the address bar and it kind of tells you, ooh, that's not a domain. Right. Uh, right. Now that's it's a not search. a domain. Do a yeah. search. Yeah. Uh, so how do I do it in Chrome? Because that's <laughs> actually that's, that's something I would like to do. Chrome is a little trickier. You have to, uh, I have to go back and look. I found an article on the web that explains I'll it. Look. And I'm actually, okay. I'll write something in tidbits, actually, maybe later today. Because Good. I need to read up for someone, too. T-I-D-B-I-T-S dot com. If you subscribe now, you'll get it later in the day. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. That's great. Um, Andy Anatko, your pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week is something that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are already familiar with, uh, but it's something that I shied away from for years and years and years. Uh, it is a hard shell form-fitting case for your MacBook. Ah. Uh, and uh, I recently got a brand new MacBook Pro, and this is the first time that I decided that I definitely want to put a case around it. And this is not obviously not a bag. We're talking about uh, something that is... Uh, really, really tightly, tightly engineered plastic shells that clip on to the front screen part and to the bottom part that essentially make this silver uh, aluminum thing look like it's been dipped in Hello Kitty's bathwater. Uh, so <laughs> you can get them all kinds of colors. 
Yeah, you get them in. Yeah, you can get them in pink, red, uh, blue, red, purple, depending on where you get them from. Uh, the one that I got is the is from Incase. If you go to goincase.com, uh, you can get them for your 13 inch, your 15 inch, uh, and in a range of colors. Now, I shied away from them at first, chiefly because I didn't like the idea of taking something beautiful like this. Uh, and putting this bunch of sort of like shaky, sort of flimsy plastic shells that might kind of fall off. Uh, but that's been fixed very, very nicely over the past three or four years when these things have been made from various manufacturers. They clip on and, boy, they fit so closely that it looks like they're factory-made material. Uh, it wasn't until I started meeting lots of other people who happened to have them on their MacBooks that I was very, very impressed with how tightly these things hold on. Uh, the other part of it, uh, two other components, is that uh, they will keep, uh, after a, uh, I, I do carry my MacBooks everywhere, and they are my daily driver machine, and so after I used my, uh, my current machine for about two and a half, three years, and by the time it got replaced, it was all scratched up, baffed up, it wasn't looking very pretty. Obviously, these new cases uh, will keep it looking pretty in case in two years' time, when you replace it with a new machine, you want to see if you can get, uh, get some of the five or six hundred bucks for it on eBay. It'll look nice and pretty, but for me, the big deal is that every single time I go through airport security, I'm always a little bit on edge because I've spotted somebody a little bit ahead of me or behind me who also had a 15-inch MacBook Pro. Right. And how careful and cautious is he or she going to be to make sure that he got they got their MacBook out and not mine? Uh, and before I used to do, I used to make a little put stickers on it and maybe put little signs on it just to differentiate them a little bit. But I know that this is the only deep purple <laughs> uh, MacBook Pro that's probably going to be in that line. And also has a side benefit in that uh, the end case I like because not only is it well ventilated, so it's not going to uh, cause your machine to overheat, but also the texture of this case is slightly rubberized and it's slightly grippy. Oh, I like uh, that. So, yeah, because the, yeah. the specs are, are slippery. They're Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, obviously you try to be careful with your $2,000 computer, but there's a time when, you know, you're trying to get it inside the laptop bag and it's kind of skewed a little bit. This is not going to slip out of your hand and drop straight to the floor, which is something that has never, ever happened to me, not even once. And if someone ever said that that happened, they're <laughs> damn, damn liar. <laughs> so, these, these cases are only about 50 bucks. I feel as though it's definitely <clears throat> short money. It's a, it's, it's a worthwhile do, investment. Do, does does it perfect. come in colors or is it just black and white or what is it? Um, the, the end case comes in six colors, black. Black, white, clear. Uh, this clear is cool. People, yeah. And the the cool thing about clear is that uh, you might kind of like to customize your uh, your machine. The inside, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I used to like to uh, with Lilith number one. I wound up taking the entire uh, the, my PowerBook 100. I wound up taking the entire thing apart, painting every single part of it. Uh, and really cool, like impact plastic colors. I got pressed on. I got really nice rub-on transfer letters, uh, and it looked awesome for the first two weeks. But I started getting scratched up and sort of peely. <laughs> and the same thing happens when you put stickers on it. If you buy yourself a clear case, you can put all the stickers on it you want. Uh, you can actually put photos of your kids between the edge of the case and the actual machine itself, oh, that's knowing that at yeah. any point in the future uh, you can actually remove it. Right. Yeah. Uh, one, one, one tip, if you get, if you get different kids, you know, just say <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you get new kids, well, you can just put different when, pictures in there. Yeah. When you go from family A to family B. That's <laughs> so. <laughs> so awkward. <laughs> Forget. Like, you know, the, the stories about the businessmen who have maintained two families, yeah. I've never understood that. Yeah, why would you? I mean, one's tough enough. I don't know why you want yeah, more than one. <laughs> 
No, there's a there there is a uh, there was a great uh, movie with Alec Guinness called The Captain's Dilemma or something like that. He was a he was a captain. He'd sail back and forth across the English Channel. He had a, a wife in France and a wife in England, and he had a little <laughs> picture by his bed that he'd just flip around when he when he was going the other direction. <laughs> so this you could do that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There's a that's a pink one if you wanted yes. pink. Yeah. From Incase. It's translucent, so the, of course your Apple logo will glow through it. I know that's important to a lot of people, that they, <laughs> people see that they have an Apple. It's not just a Dell. <laughs> and about $50. Thank you, Andy. Uh, I want to put a little plug in for a product that uh, I've started to use uh, pretty religiously now. I, You know, Quicksilver, actually Quicksilver might be back. I noticed that the, it went open source. You know, Alcor went to Google, wrote the Google search bar, which isn't really Quicksilver kind of abandoned the project. Others have taken it on, and there's a new Quicksilver website. I'm not holding my breath. I was looking for a replacement. Nothing quite like Quicksilver, but I did find something that is now getting really close. It's called Alfred. you got to like the little bowler hat that you get in the menu bar with Alfred. It is one of the, It's a launcher. Uh, now, the nice thing about Alfred is the basic Alfred is free. You know, you press Command Space, and you get the launch bar, and you can light. You know, you can launch Skype or whatever by typing the first few letters. It'll let you do um, other things too with the first few letters, especially if you spend a little money on the Power Pack. Now, I decided when I saw this, I said I'm going to give them as much money as they want. I, I bought the full thirty-dollar uh, Power Pack, but it starts at twelve pounds. It's a British company. The Power Pack adds uh, the ability to navigate file systems, which is very cool. By starting your, uh, your Al Alfred search with a slash, you can actually go through your file system. You can move documents very easily uh, to folders from your desktop that way. Um, you can have uh, searches built into it. In fact, there are a couple of websites now that have point, and, you know, you just click a button and it adds a search to Alfred. Um, there's a little mini player for iTunes in there. Clipboard history is another feature that I really put me over the top. The ability to save all your clipboard stuff and get right back to it uh, anytime you want is just fantastic. Your address book is actually in there. Uh, recent documents. You can theme it. You can send an email by just typing email and a name and it'll pop it up. And I, this was actually important to me. Not Maybe not for everybody, but the ability to type terminal commands uh, by just simply starting with a single... Uh, key press. In my case, I use the greater than symbol, and I can add a to-do list to my uh, to-do.txt and so forth just with a simple terminal command. Or I can do uh, who is built into the terminal. I like the ability to do terminal commands directly. So he's got an API coming along, uh, third-party app integration. Uh, the developer really seems to be putting his heart and soul into this, and I'm glad because I think we needed a really good launcher to replace Quicksilver, and this is my vote. There are other ones. Launch Bar. People love Launch Bar. It's very powerful. This one's free to get started and, and I think that uh, I have to a uh, little a little tip of the hat to uh, the author for uh, making this free and then the power pack if you need those additional features he also blogs and talks a lot about what he's up to uh, on his blog Alfred A L F R E D after Alfred the butler and batman I would guess uh, have either of you used that or do you, I'm, I bet you I I know Andy we talked to you before you said I don't use anything like that What Nothing. Only, well, only only because uh, I already use Spotlight for just type a few letters and launch the app. Uh, my problem is that if the, the uh, those those uh, pl those uh, utilities work incredibly great, you can get really really fast with them. But the second you move on to a machine that does not have that installed, yep. you are hosed yeah. because you don't have those high performance enhancements. Also, you just don't I, want to yeah. get used to something better in case you can't use it. 
It's 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 that, and plus, it's the time that I'd have to spend adapting the way that I use my Mac, so that I instinctively go to that launch bar. Uh, just, I, I have to be honest with myself and say that at the end of the day, goodness, you saved almost 33 minutes by using this launch bar. Yeah, but I probably isn't going to waste that time anyway. So That's one of the neat <laughs> things that Alfred does for you. It actually will tell you how much you've used Alfred and how much time you've saved. And that's kind of fun, but uh, of course, completely useless. But a nice, you're, you're a nice right. little feature. That, see, that's the reason why I often will buy shareware that I don't really need. I just want to give this person money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these, these guys, are, you know, it's a, a husband and wife team. Uh, he, I, I'm going to try to find his name because uh, he's just really great. I follow them both on uh, Twitter, and uh, they have a just, you know, I got an email because uh, I sent him the I sent him the full, the largest amount of money I could because I just want to support him. <laughs> and uh, I got an email thanking me and, uh, and saying, uh, you know, we appreciate your support and so forth, which I like. There's a real personal feel to it. What do you use, Adam? You use Quicksilver yeah, or LaunchBar? I'm a big LaunchBar fan. Yeah. I've, I've been using LaunchBar since it was the only one available of, right. these, of this type. And just, you know, all the others, I've tried them at different times. There's nothing wrong with them, but they've never quite clicked for me. Yep. That there's something about, uh, you know, you get, you, get it used to, you get used to it. And, and what I find interesting is I, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of being able to type at my computer. And that's why I was talking about the browse by name feature in Firefox because I think about, I and mean, I don't, I don't want to do a search from LaunchBar, for instance. I somehow always go to go to uh, to Firefox, and you know, and he'll, we'll hit Command L and then type into the address bar. But it's, I'm just typing stuff. That's how I think. I think in words, and so when I think in characters, and so for for me, all of these kinds of things are really a big big advantage rather than having to kind of look visually for something. I'm not a graphics guy. I'm not a I'm not a visual a visual thinker. Yeah, I'm the same way. I don't want to take my hand off the keyboard. I want to just kind of type 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 and the even mousing around in the in the file system is a pain in the butt. I, yeah. So that's why this solves that issue with all GUIs have of having to drill yeah. through folders. No one wants to do that. So you type what you want. And uh, Alfred's, I think Alfred's gotten pretty darn good. I used LaunchBar for a long time. I love Dan, of course. He's a great guy. Uh, Quicksilver, love that amazing power tool uh, that uh, people like Merlin Mann have shown me. You know how amazing it is. But Alfred uh, is is a, is an up and comer. Andrew Pepperell, his wife Firo, uh, well done. Alfredapp.com, and uh, it is in the App Store. Probably the best way to buy. Oh, actually not. Here's yeah, boy, you got the problem with the yeah. app store because they don't allow in-app purchases. If you want to buy the Power Pack, it still works, but you have to download it from the Alfred site so that you can put the Power Pack in because they don't because Apple doesn't currently allow uh, in-app purchases. So if you want to just try the free one, no problem. Try it uh, from the App Store, and then if you want to get the Power Pack, you'll have to go to the website to update it. I want to thank Adam Engst for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you, Adam. Always fun to be here. Uh, tidbits.com. What day of the week? Tuesday? We, I usually release the email issue on Monday nights, so people mostly see it on Tuesday. But we're posting issues on the website, so via RSS feed, shows up in Twitter, shows up in Facebook, shows up in our iOS app. Um, so, you know, you can get tidbits throughout the week as we put stuff up. Oh, you're poking at the uh, the April Fool's issue. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. We, yep, yep, we yep. had we had to make sure to put that little jester's hat up there at the top for <laughs> something uh, for about those. this. Seems odd. <laughs> it says. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. I spent a lot of time uh, trying on April Fool's Day trying to sort through the stories to figure out if they're real or not. 
<laughs> I, I thought that was really clever that you did that. Bec- and then, I, pr- I presume you did that April 2nd, so people were fooled. Yes, on, yes. Yeah. On April 1st, you can't tell. Because the thing is, is we have the full archive of every article that has ever been published in Tidbits. Right. And so April Fool's issues and articles show up there going back all the way. Drives me and crazy. So, you know, yeah, we have to make sure people know that this article was fake. That's Although, nice you know, we've it. actually have a non-trivial number of April Fool's articles that have come true. So, yeah. you make them sufficiently speculative. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> the best April Fool's joke could be true. Yeah. You almost. want it. You want it. Could I? Please. Oh, almost. Microsoft Word 5.1 coming back to the iPad? Yes! <laughs> I'm still saying, though, WordPerfect 3.5. Now, now that's... <laughs> The best. Thank you, Adam. Great to talk to you. Tidbits.com. Andy Anatko is the man at the celestial waste of bandwidth. CWOB.com. That's his website. Do a dub 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 in front of that for best results. He also writes yep. for the Chicago Sometimes. And I hope you'll give us a report on the um, World Affairs Council uh, next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Adam, I'm, I'm, I'm basically Logie and out of breath after sitting here and speaking at this altitude for two hours. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like, it, it's, it's like Adam felt as though, gee, I'm not putting myself in enough pain, in enough pain like where I live in Ithaca. I think that I should try to sort of, I'll, 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 I'll first start, start doing it in Boulder. Then I'll find like an active lava flow I can run in. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll just fill the pockets of my pants with the sharp, spiky objects. Well, so what's happening is, is uh, um, April 12th, I'm speaking at the Macintech user group in Denver. And ah. so they invited me out. And then the next week is actually my son Tristan's uh, school spring break. So he and Tanya are coming out and then we're spending the whole rest of the week. Um, in, you're going to spend, I'm spending most of the days in, in Denver and then we're up in Boulder. And so, uh, and that's, it's a, uh, it's a running Mecca. It's a lot of places. Oh, it's beautiful. Up there. You'll enjoy it. It's, it's, abs- it's really gorgeous up here. And the best uh, part oh, is when you come back to a sea level, you just can go shake. for miles. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Adam. Thank you everybody for joining us. A couple of uh, notes, uh, well, mostly photo, our brand new photography show is coming up in just a few minutes with Lisa Bettany. She's in the house, and we'll get started with that. That's every Tuesday now at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at live.twit.tv, and then you can uh, subscribe to it uh, by going to twit.tv slash photo. I think that's that's what we decided to use. Uh, just go to twit.tv. Uh, you'll see it there. Next week, we are going to do Mac Break Weekly from NAB Show, the uh, National Association of Broadcasters. Uh, Alex Lindsay will be joining us out there. And Andy, if you'd like to Skype in, we'll have to figure out if we can do that. But it's going to be an amazing show. There's lots of gear that is not just for you know professional broadcasters, but for people who want to uh, create video or audio on their own. Some great stuff. I also want to put in a little bit of a plug. My friend Philip, uh, 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 who works for a new tech, um, is uh, doing a little benefit for uh, Japan. Actually, they, I think it's an album uh, that uh, Philip recorded uh, with some folks. And I'm going to get to the website if it will pop up for me and I can give you uh, a plug. Uh, with my favorite group, Hanson. You, you know them. <laughs> okay, don't mock me, please. But it is a benefit for uh, Japanese relief. So if you know somebody who is a Hanson fan, uh, if you go to hansonstage.com, Com. Their album comes out today, and it is a benefit. And uh, Philip Nelson of uh, New Tech did ask us to um, to mention that. And since Philip has been so generous to us, and his and the TriCaster is such an amazing thing, we thought we'd give them a plug. Proceeds go to the Red Cross. Forty seven tracks. Forty seven tracks, not all by Hanson. In fact, some really amazing uh, groups. Nineteen ninety nine. 
uh, including uh, people like uh, the Boxer Rebellion, Alpha Rev, Ben Folds, uh, the Mississippi, North Mississippi All-Stars. Uh, wow, this is actually kind of amazing. Bowling for Soup, Tracy Bonham. Wow, look at this. Look at all the people. Now, this is a good deal. And Philip is on here, apparently. I didn't know that he was a recording artist. He, Unwind Your Heart is his song. So uh, if you would be so inclined, it's South by Southwest for Japan. Red Cross release for Japan, for Japan and these are all uh, uh, from South by some amazing performances. It is on Amazon, and it's even less expensive on Amazon. So I think all the money still goes to, uh, you know, all the same amount of money goes to uh, Japan Relief. And you could put it on your cloud player. SXSW, <laughs> the number four, J-A-P-A-N. Search for it on uh, Amazon's MP3 site. Thank you all for being here, and we will see you next time. Now you get back to work. Break time is over.